All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Halal Cartels. And today we got a very special guest in the building. That's right here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, in my apartment on my brand new love seat coming from Wayfair. I built I built it myself. Uh, so everyone listening. Yeah, man. See, I can do it. I can do things. We got a, a great a great man, a great friend, a great travel partner, a fantastic comedian uh, in the room today, the one and only Justin Williams. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Gabe. <laughs> this is good to be. I, I, I had only been to your other apartment, so I'm glad to be in this apartment now. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, you, you're here today, uh, recently coming back from to Detroit, Michigan. Is yes, that correct? I, I spent my birthday in Detroit, Michigan. That's what people do. You know, they go, they go, for your birthday, do you want to go to... Uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale in December. And I go, no, I want to go to Detroit, baby. You're like, what is the most exotic climb I can uh, encounter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what that is, I feel Detroit is another planet, at least in my imagination. You know, I think the first time I thought about that city was uh, uh, taking an airplane across the country. And I saw Eddie Murphy uh, in, a, in, a, in a pivotal performance as Axel Foley. And he was rocking a Detroit Lions uh, jacket yeah at the beginning of the film and i saw this uh this was like my intro to comedy was okay the funniest man in the movie is wearing a detroit lions jacket i would wear that jacket now i think it's come back around like you know what i mean like some of that 80s stuff doesn't age well some of it ages very well well all of it ages well for williamsburg that's right yeah yeah I, man you can <laughs> <laughs> you can wear any of it williamsburg feels like um just time travelers from every era and decade <laughs> Are popping out of wormholes and just ro rolling onto Bedford Avenue. Yeah, I saw a guy. I was getting off to Bedford a, a couple of years ago. A guy had actually mixed his eras because uh, he was like, uh, he was like uh, maybe twenty something, you know. Yeah, and, uh, he had it like his high top fade from the early '90s, mid '90s. Sure, like uh, was Juice Era. Yeah, Juice Era. Yeah, yeah, with the lines in the side, maybe like you know, with the nice Big Daddy Kane chain on. And he had his boombox, but he was blasting Ghostface Killer Supreme clientele from the year 2000. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was like a funny thing to see. Like, oh, it's all shorthand for the past for him. It's all old school to him. Everything, the past has collapsed. The internet has collapsed all time. Yeah. So we now live in this uh, postmodern gumbo where <laughs> yeah. you can you can uh, piece together things from 2015 and uh, 1978. <laughs> just put it all together yeah, yeah. In, in a nice bouillabaisse. base when you did you feel like in detroit so that's the detroit i knew about was like detroit from the 80s yeah and then uh i only know about it from cinema but like while i was thinking about having you on today i was thinking like oh what, what do i know about detroit like how okay and and it's making a resurgence in like a24 elevated horror movies yeah like it's now the new setting for um uh, examples of movies like It Follows, Don't Breathe, and uh, Out This Year, Barbarian. Yeah. All three of these movies take place in Detroit because instead of having like a haunted house, you have like a haunted city. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting place because it's uh, the downtown is like insanely well gentrified. It's like the it's like the plan for you know restoring downtown Detroit is is finished. Like everything's completely restored. I didn't see a single like vacant retail space. There was like a Gucci store staying next to like uh, our, you know, like right around the corner from our like very nice hotel. 
like our very nice like boutique hotel and there was like you know the christmas decorations were up and everything uh and then you go like uh other neighborhoods are kind of like more like williamsburg where you're kind of a mix of industrial stuff but then like cool stuff and then you would go to neighborhoods where it's like uh it's not the, the kind of horror movies you have is just like you know it's just a uh, bulletproof stuff and vacant lots Sure. There's a lot of vacant lots. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of vacancy. It's a weird, it's a, it's an interesting city because it's like, it's succeeded at so many levels, but then you go to like other neighborhoods where it's like the, you know, I went to one neighborhood where there was a, like a club and then I walked outside and there was a wheat field yeah. and you're like nowhere near like the city limit. Like you are in the like core Sure. Of the city, and it's just like, oh, wheat has retaken this area over here. Yeah, the know. prairie has has reclaimed this yeah. block. Yeah, uh, there's gophers and prairie dogs as corner boys. Yeah, but it's good. It's like it's a cool city because it, you know, it invented techno. You know? Yeah, uh, like there's like there's this good club scene and stuff like that. It's weird now. So you know, I'm 39 now, so I go for my 39th birthday, and it's weird going to places that are creating all the things that are cool in the world. But if you go to the clubs in that place, and as a 39-year-old, you're actually 12 years older than everyone else in there, except for the creepy guy. Yes. Uh, so that's <laughs> the weird thing about going to like these like cool clubs in Detroit that would be like, you know, they have like a line around the block if they were in Brooklyn, right? You would never be able to get in. Uh, so you go to these cool, uh, you know, these super cool places, but everyone's like 24 years old. So uh, this is wild. At Funhouse, like three, maybe a month ago... Um, this woman was in the front of the bar, the front bar area, like being loud. And she started, um, waving at me through the, uh, glass plate that, that separates the showroom from the, uh, from the bar. And then, uh, so I ignored her. I was just like, oh, maybe she didn't know where the bathroom was. Maybe she didn't know how to get in the room. And then, uh, through the, uh, little velvet curtains, she pokes her head in and she's like, come here, come here, come here. (laughs) So I go out there. And I didn't know what to expect, but she said, hey, uh, did you, I think you taught me when I was in third grade. <laughs> and so now she's like 25 and um, she, I was like, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I just got back into town from Germany. You know, I was in Berlin clubbing in Berlin and I'm on TikTok all the time, like just scrolling and for whatever, and I, I'm on rave TikTok yeah. and techno TikTok. So I get all these ads for like uh, going to Bergen in, in Berlin. And I was like, oh, were you in Bergen? And she's like, yeah, it's like the cutting edge. That's like the, where the club scene is in, uh, in Berlin. So now it's just. Yeah, I went to the club. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I, we went to clubbing in Berlin. What's great about Berlin is every uh, club, the description of them is just a Stefan SNL sketch. Yeah. So it's like this Not- reformed <laughs> weapons factory was once. <laughs> and it tells you like the whole backstory of every building and it's and yeah. it's like since 1992 it is. This was know. a this was a NATO funded air <laughs> aircraft uh parking lot. <laughs> yeah. slash military base. Yeah, it's cool. Germany's yeah, that was cool. Like you club, you could go you go to clubs any day of the week. And then there's just so many Turkish people. There's just shawarma just waiting for you, like out in the street and stuff like that. That's Did you cool. know that the national cuisine in Germany is actually Donner and shawarma? <laughs> Donner kebab, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what do you guys make? What's your ethnic cuisine? They're like Turkish food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, I, I yeah. like Berlin. Berlin was cool. You know, Berlin wasn't as clean as I was expecting, though. You know, they always try to say European cities are clean. Yeah. I, I, I saw a lot of stuff on the ground in Berlin. Yeah, were you in the eastern part or the western part? 
No, it'd be like firmly like the Western part because we know we knew when we went far east when people are like, "Hey, man, I don't speak English. I speak my second language is Russian." Yeah, that's how you knew <laughs> you had went far enough like east in the city. Yeah, sure, sure. Things got a little bit more Detroit no, the, <laughs> instead yeah, of was, reclaimed by the prairie, reclaimed reclaimed by the Russian. It's weird. Yeah. Well, it's just like it wasn't like it wasn't like a playground. You know, the crazy thing about Berlin is like so many people aren't from there. Yeah. So you can kind of like get around, you know, in like the touristy parts and stuff like that. But once you get to where like actual lifelong multi-generational like Berliners are living, right? It's, it's you know, people are like, man, I didn't learn English, you know, in school, you know. Yeah. Like so then uh, what else, what was like a highlight for you of going to Detroit? Did, did you get uh, diso- <laughs> disillusioned? No, not, not in a negative way, but... Um, uh, disillusioned from any of your preconceptions? No, because you see, you see all of it. It's just like a, it's just a complicated place. So it's like, yeah, like it's probably the best downtown redevelopment for a struggling industrial city that I've ever sort of experienced, right? But then, you know, like even the like the mid tier neighborhoods, like there's like real problems keeping street lamps on. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, like, you're in like this cool like place where somebody's done like amazing. They've invested. They've created like a micro distillery, but like the street lights are like flickering, flickering, <laughs> and, yeah. that, and like for long block the city was designed on such a grand scale that if that you can you can immediately see like once things go wrong on like one of these like long boulevards, it's like okay, that's gonna be. A lo- it's gonna take a long time to fix that. Yeah. Oh man, it just makes me think of Christmas tree lights. Yeah. And uh, the the bad ones where like if one bulb goes out, the whole string goes out. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's like I live in like a city that's like, you know, I live in Newark, New Jersey, which has like they're like twin cities in a lot of ways, right? Because uh, it's like White Flight had their race riot like the same summer like black majority, like represented like the hopes of like black people becoming the majorities and capturing like political part power in like the state's largest city. But like things are going to like decline the moment that they actually get control of anything. Right. Cause like yeah. all, the, all the jobs are getting ready to leave and stuff like that. The difference between like Detroit and like North Jersey though, is that everybody in Michigan is rooting for Detroit. Okay. And white people in New Jersey wish all their cities could, would just disappear. Right, they hate cities. They hate cities. In, uh, in New Jersey. Yeah, they're like antagonistic even towards the idea of them. If they could wall themselves off from them more than they already have, they would. I get it. I just feel like everyone in uh, New Jersey is either, is uh, all the people who live in the suburbs are Tony Soprano. Yeah, well, they're that, or they're like rich, Karen-y, like kind of people, or they're just like, they're just not, like they're, they move to the suburbs as like this rejection of urban life. It's like urban life was for the 60s. Or yeah. the four, like up to, the urban life was up to the sixties. Anything after that, I'm not engaging with a city ever again. Uh, so like, uh, <laughs> here's some funny stories. So I'm like trying to open a comedy club uh, in downtown New York and having these meetings with these corporate suburban landlords. Yeah. To where they don't know anything about the city. <laughs> like I'll be like, uh, hey, you know how Newark it produces a, a ton of house music and Jersey club music that's like usually popular all around the world. What if we had a place where we uh, played that music here and those DJs that are globally famous could j- draw money directly to the downtown of the city they live in? And they're like, 
we don't understand a word that just came out of your mouth. <laughs> and we don't care to understand a word that's coming out of your mouth. And you're like, look at this TikTok, though. No, you could no. They, they don't even know TikTok. And they don't know like comedy or anything. So really what what like it's like what they what they what they try to do is force their town into like a downtown. They're like, what we really need is a fourth location of a restaurant that is heavily ethnic that does not apply to the majority that is only for office workers that we've also told not to engage with the city because engaging with the city is a threat to their safety. It's this weird loop of like delusion. Yes. Yeah. It's like put in a put in a um uh put in a polka bar. If you said I have a polka bar, I'm gonna put polka in the middle of this city that's eighty percent uh black and Puerto Rican, but it has four locations. I'd be like, well, right this way. Yeah. And I mean then, that would do better in like a Mexican neighborhood because they'd be like, Oh, this sounds a little bit like mariachis. <laughs> like yeah. this has got a Norteño beat to it, you know? Like, oh you got you guys like tubas? We like tubas too. <laughs> yeah. Throw that accordion in there. We oh, you guys have a king of accordions? We also have a king of accordions. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's like so in the, that, that's the difference between Detroit and Newark, right? Is yeah. where like the white landowning class that's why everything in Newark is that's cool is DIY because the white landowners will never allow anything to be sort of like like it's like this weird thing it's like why are you here it's like they're they're at this point they're actually blighting the city detroit's the exact opposite right it's like uh hey a white kid from the suburbs is proud that detroit created techno music and he's totally into techno music and he's gonna go and you you notice like immediately when you go into clubs in detroit white kids and black kids are listening to music together yes and like like that's 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 the first thing you see you notice the club is like like 60% black, like 40% white. And my, I have friends who have moved to Detroit and they were art school kids yeah. who went there and bought houses, uh, sort of made, um, made their houses into mm, like studio spaces, you know, and, um, kind of, it felt like Detroit was this parts of it, at least were like a canvas where you could make something creative and new without worrying about zoning laws. Yeah, you can do no, so you can do the thing. I mean, it's just the drawbacks there. I mean, and that's sort of similar. That's that's all industrial cities there. It's just like Detroit's problems are uh, it's like it's downtown redevelopment is like would be like Newark's dream scenario. Right. But Detroit's problems are not even comparable to Newark. Like, you know, Newark's not even the top 50 cities anymore for like crime. Right, right. Uh, Detroit, like you know, like you have that poverty inequality, and then Detroit's size, and then also Michigan's gun laws. <laughs> so it, yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, you wouldn't. I think you, yeah, you have this canvas where you can do whatever you want, but it comes with huge drawbacks. It's like, oh, I bought this mansion and I'm rehabbing it, but like maybe you don't have streetlights or garbage service. Yeah, or you know what I mean? Like there's there there are some things that are really gonna. And you might want to have a weapon like in your area. Yeah, depending on where where you're at, that because it's like the statistics like are are pretty significant. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I'm from the Midwest, and Midwestern cities have higher higher crime. And I, and I think about this as an adult. You know, like I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri, and I actually now reflect on actually how much safer I am in the New York City area, even in the worst areas of the uh, of New York City. There's less gun violence than even like kind of touristy areas in Kansas city actually experience. Oh, totally. I think about that all the time. So I used to, um, do some real estate where I was an agent 
And this was a part-time thing. A lot of comedians do this. This wasn't like a dream. It's like one of those uh, side hustles. So when I was um, showing apartments, I would get all three kids, all three, it was mostly young women moving to the city, but they're there. They'd have to get their mom to guarantor, their parents to guarantor. And if their parents uh, watch Fox News, they would think that this was some sort of like, we were in the midst of a crime apocalypse. Oh, yeah. No matter what, no matter where we were, I would always be like, check the stats for the zip code because you can look those up. You can check out police reports. in every borough but like um new york is the safest place i always wanted to like wring their necks through the phone and be like dude 9-11 happened here we have because of that we have cameras on every corner there are cops everywhere every single inch of this city is is completely canvassed by a hyper surveillance mm-hmm. so you're not really going to get uh crimes here every once in a while you might get someone who's um unhinged Mm-hmm. who commits a crime, but that's like a chaotic variable that you could never anticipate or prevent. Yeah. And it's also, there's no vacancy. So there's <laughs> all these people here. So that's the, what creates, you know, crime in like post-industrial cities, right? It's like, man, you put up like two boarded homes on a block. It's like, that is a space where people can do stuff. Yeah, man. I can do-do in this house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can set it up as the crack spot. Yeah. The poop is, I could human traffic out of the back of this. I can hide all of, I could steal the roof off your house and then put it in the back of this house. I'm going to gut the copper from inside this house, like bubbles from the wire, take <laughs> it and sell it to yeah. the, to the condo developers. And then, uh, Chris and Snoop are going to execute a security guard in there, <laughs> yeah. cover him in plastic and lie. And then we're going to, and then we're going to nail gun the, 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 the window shut. Yeah. That's the vacant house vibe. So it was like Detroit. It's like, <laughs> yeah. In Baltimore too. It's the same, it's yeah. the same stuff. It's like, these are cities that are, you know, they're just like, they're like missing a few hundred thousand people. Yeah. So they, you know, you once you plug those people in, all of the other problems start to go away because people aren't going to commit crime in like crowded neighborhoods and stuff like that. People aren't, you know. Yeah, too many witnesses. Too many witnesses. Yeah, and and there's just like deterrence and, and things like that. So yeah, that I mean that's kind of the issue that you I got anecdotal. So I went over to this burger place uh, on on the like the east of downtown. You know, and your Uber driver is like, you have no idea where you are. Do not go like but you know we, you know she don't know my wife she just sees us as these two tourists getting out of this nice hotel like we know the we know the score you know what i mean because yeah. i was like oh there are no seats in this burger restaurant in this bulletproof burger restaurant there are no seats and it's yeah. the only thing with lights on but it got a five-star review oh but it's incredible yeah this yeah. sandwich what was it called it was like the eastern something exchange the, bur- the burger was called the big boy it was a burger with crown like uh was it uh Corn beef, a burger with some corn beef on it and stuff like that. It was off the hook. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like it was immediately like people were walking into this place. Like people just come out of the void in the night and the guy was like, <laughs> you're like, there's nobody like you go. How the, where are you? Where did you walk in here from? There's nothing else around here. Yes. Yeah. And this guy, he's just like, hey, what's going on, baby? You know, it's like classic. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, here we go. Hey, what's going on, baby? Y'all's cash app working? I'm trying to give me a burger. My cash app ain't working. I'm like, nah, man, I don't even have a phone. Uh, you know, the lady behind the bulletproof glass is laughing because she doesn't know that we know. I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, ah, oh, shit, dude, you know, so. But, you know, that was like, that was our, like, that was the only experience in like, a, like I'd say like a tough, 
like there was definitely like a tough neighborhood or something like that because you're not you know there's it's so vacant you, you shouldn't really be over there but cities like that you shouldn't be yes. yeah like it's so obvious like it's like when people say newark are you scared to live there i'm like no i don't hang out in that part there's nothing for you to be doing in those parts that's like it's right. obvious yeah. that that's the bad like everybody knows what's going on if you're around in those areas you know yeah, yeah. Uh, you're reminding me of uh, Long Island City before it developed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I lived in Long Island City for a year. On There was like the Cosby Huxtable block. There's like one block that looks like the Cosby show. Yeah, yeah. And it's row houses next to the Citibank building. And that was the only uh, skyscraper or office building in the area. Yeah, yeah. So anytime and everything else around there was just garages. So like and the creek in the cave that and was, the creek in the cave. Yeah. yeah. So and this was right before it became the creek in the cave. I think it was it was a bar, it was a rock bar. Yeah. 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 And then Rebecca took it over um, and turned it into like, a you know, a legendary comedy hotspot. Yeah. But uh, when I lived around there, I lived on the only residential block within a five block radius, roughly. And so at night I would walk around and it was it would be scarier if there were vacants. Yeah. Because then there would be places for um, uh, people of the night, vampires, ghouls, zombies yeah. to live, you know, but it was just like empty industrial space. Yeah. Long Island City is the only place I've been in New York City it was just south of there. And there, there was an industrial space where at night I was like trying to walk back to Greenpoint or something, but, you know, didn't take that bridge, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you really need to take that bridge. Yeah, man. No, if you don't take that bridge, you're in some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, uh, like back lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you scenes. see it's like, yeah, trucks loading up shit, but it was so dark that I couldn't see my hand in front of my <laughs> face. Unless this billboard that was changing, there was a billboard that was changing ads. Yeah. That was the only time. So every time it changed ads, it would light the street up. But for like a half a second, it would go so dark. I couldn't see anything besides maybe a truck loading in the distance. And I'm surrounded by buildings. And you know what? Yeah. I mean, there's something kind of magical about spaces like this in cities too. Yeah. It makes me think about the movie After Hours. Yeah. When the guy's like walking around. Uh, it. it in that movie, New York is a magical place, right? Uh, and and uh, there's like an all-night diner. And Long Island City had one of those like all-night diners that's super small that's just for the cab drivers, you know? Because there's nothing else around except this one diner that's illuminated in the darkness. Yeah. And, it's ju- and it makes me think about this hamburger spot that you went to. So like just ca- cabbies would like come out of the void of the darkness to go and eat there. At- oh, yeah. It was cabbies. Yeah. Uh, well, not, not cabbies. It was like a... Every guy in there had on uh, work. So one thing about the Detroit that's super interesting, right, is that you have like a very you have a black physical working class. Yeah. To where it's like it's like black guys with car hearts and like Timbaland boots that are real work, like they're real work and like paint all over them and stuff. Sure. It was like every guy that came into that place. And like one guy's like, you know, he's just like, hey, what's up? Y'all randomly standing in this place that no one stands in. <laughs> he's just like, y'all need any floors done or any stuff? Because it's like, and then he's like, giving, and we're like, we don't live here. And he's like, well, in case you meet anyone that does live here, you get a sense of like the city's like, it's like hustle, right? It's like people yeah. are working, you know what I mean? Um, and that's different from where I, like in Kansas City, it's different than that. Like it's like, it, it's not like that level of like a black blue collar population right so that's why i think it makes detroit interesting right it's like this black guy with like car hearts on and 
stuff who's like maybe like he's like a roofer or something like that or maybe he works maybe he could work for gm maybe he does subcontracting or whatever it's like that's but that's also this is also the city that invented techno it's like yeah it's like it's like it's like this working class blue collar city that also has like these links to like creating like international music and trends that's why i wanted to go there because it's like it's detroit is a global city for like what it is right but it's also like i mean detroit had uh great punk rock bands too death comes out of detroit yeah uh which was like one of the first punk rock bands also all black um uh, all the players. Yeah, yeah. And then you had uh, Motown there. You also have Danny Brown if you like hip hop, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you also have the Insane Clown Posse. So, <laughs> well, I like my favorite group is Slum Village, right? And yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, it, it's like Detroit is also Jay Dilla's city. It's That's like, right. That Donuts, produ- baby. Yeah, produces the like you know one of the you know now I think people would say Jay Dilla is probably top five as far as hip hop producers ever, right? Yeah, Donuts is one of my favorite albums. I play it all the time. Yeah, he, it's it's like it, it was interesting watching his metamorphosis as like the guy who was the producer for all the cool rappers I liked. Yeah. To now he's like now he's like canon as like legendary producer. So you go to those places like that where people have like a deep appreciation. It's like the, the people are like Detroit is like worldly. It's like yeah. in order to produce a Jay Dilla, you have to have a guy who listens to all recordings. Yes. Yeah, and it's um, it's almost like it's. It's abandonment from like U.S. pop culture and from like the U.S. economy in some ways gave it the space to, I don't know if this is a true assessment, but it feels like subculture requires uh, isolation. Yeah. Because in having some isolation, you can, you have time to develop something. Yeah. You know, like you, if you have time under a rock, you, you have time to like ferment. <laughs> and Detroit is like a place that isn't like on everybody's radar to like go to. And so you're not going to get the culture vultures show up immediately and be like, let's uh, ruin, let's immediately uh, be vampires and take what the city is creating. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very funny in that way. It's like, uh, you know, if you, if you're living in Brooklyn, Detroit is actually your dream. Yes. You go, I wish this row house was affordable and the club never got overran with bros. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was watching all the hottest DJs in the world as they were coming up before they got popular. It's fun. It, you know, it's like one of those, it, I think it's one of those cities to where, uh, you know, I think a lot of people do the people that move back to the Midwest from New York city actually profoundly appreciate a place like Detroit made maybe more than like people that grew, grew up there and never left. It might. Right. Right. Uh, because you realize how much all these things that, become like super overpriced in New York city are just kind of like a given there. That's just like the way people live. Right. It's like, anytime I go back to like a nice part of Cleveland, I'm like, wow. Yeah. No, well, yeah. I feel dude, anytime I go to like my um, uncles and aunts houses in uh, like the suburbs, like orange County, yeah, yeah. I um, never want to live there, but I always like want to shake them to be like, do you appreciate how much space you have? Yeah. Like I want that much. I would love that much space, but in a city. No, but you, yeah, yeah. So or the amenities in those places, you would see it as space. People that are born and raised there, with they're like, why are you bothering with that small old brick house with all that masonry? Right there, they see it as like small, like you know, it's like the you know the Midwest is weird. Like the dream becomes then like cul-de-sac land. 
Yes. Uh, and I'm like, wait, a place where all the people, you know, that you don't want to hang out with live in cul-de-sac land and you get to just have a industrialist mansion <laughs> next to downtown, you know? So they, yeah, that's, that's one of the things where like, I think like industrial cities to me are always like awesome. Uh, you know, because like the aesthetics are good, even though, but they, but they have like, they have like real problems though. You know what I mean? Like there's like real economic inequality that's like crushing and very real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what was it? Um, do you feel like is Detroit on the up and up? Yes. You should go to Detroit. So the thing about Detroit is that it's huge. So yeah. you're, you're basically, if you say Detroit, you could almost just say, which Detroit it's, it's so huge that your experience is going to vary. Like if you like, Downtown Detroit is huge. You could spend, you know, a few days in downtown Detroit, never leave downtown Detroit, and you'd have, like, this vision of Detroit that doesn't – that's the exact opposite of a 10-minute Uber ride. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, you should go because you can pick your – you could choose your own adventure there. The, whatever you're into, that city is going to, you know, probably going to offer it, you know, except for, like, warm weather in the, you know, winter. Sure. What uh, – did you um do any stand-up while you were there? No, no, I don't do stand up like when I'm out uh, in places anymore because I don't want to ask anyone. For, I'm too, I'm too infuriated. Uh, I don't like, <laughs> like if anyone says no, like I, I can't ask somebody at a random spot. Yeah, like I'm just not like that. It's like if I can't do it, I feel like I've accomplished just enough to where I my my ego is too fragile. Like if, I, if like if a 21 year old that has never done anything tells me I can't do his mic in Detroit, like I will take that shit very personal. <laughs> and I'm not in, and I'm not and I'm not entitled to his mic. It's not it's not entitlement. It's just like damn. It's like you know what I mean. Like every reject. I don't. I can't. I can't open myself up to more rejection than already exists in the ecosystem in here. the ecosystem as it already is so I'm, i've never been really good about that i've just now started in new york getting to know the new generation of like uh of comedians and stuff like that uh and so that i'm easing myself into that and i they like having me around what i find yeah they they because they see like doing comedy in like 2009 new york city it's like it's, I'm like having their uncle around or something. You forget. I mean, the longer that you do it, the you forget. I think how um, seasoned you are. Yes. So it's uh, because we're all in our own heads about our own insecurities, and it's very difficult to see the own progress that you've made unless you are put in stark relief with newer performers. Yeah. So I mean, I would say every time I leave New York and I perform, it builds my um, sense of competence. I didn't want to say ego. <laughs> No, but you go, and crush, you go and crush. You go and crush in those <laughs> lights. The thing is that the the spaces that I like hanging in are hip enough to where crushing probably doesn't matter. They get so here. Here's here's the thing where I say you're going to hang out in the cool spaces in those cities uh, become more scenery. So that's kind of like can be kind of like the problem because it becomes. I always thought about this. If I didn't leave Kansas City, right in the circles that I ran in. You, I, I could have dated two girls max before it becomes Justin has a reputation. Yes. Because you're, because you're subdividing a, a smaller population. And it's not like New York City where you just have all these people constantly moving in. It's like you mess up with like four people in the art scene. And that's a wrap for you. In uh, The art scene is tiny. 
Yeah, it's, it's a it, pond it, because it's a, yeah because it's a smaller group of a smaller it's like a subset of people in a place right so that's like one of the things and that's why you know a lot of twenty year olds you know they move when they're you know twenty seven or whatever it's also too it's it's also still the Midwest so people are getting married and having kids and moving to the suburbs yes so it's like you know it's almost like European it's like you still going to the clubs you've been doing that since you grow up you're twenty four yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I was in uh I was in Italy yeah. Uh, last week, uh, what was it? Two weeks ago now at this point. And it was, I went and I did stand up there and I had the best time. Um, so I'm, there was a, a woman, Marta. So shout outs to Marta. She used to come to Funhouse all the time. And she saw my, um, Instagram stories and DM me and was like, Hey, I, I can get you a spot. Dude, you are so good at that. And, uh, thank you. Yeah. And she just DM'd and was like, do you want to do comedy? And honestly, I had forgotten about comedy over four days of like going to the Vatican and the cappuccino monk crips and <laughs> just drinking wine every night and like belly full of way too much pasta. I'd been carb loading heavy. So my brain was sluggish and she's like, uh, I can get you a spot tonight. And I was like, this was like at noon. And I looked at Louisa and I was like, you mind? <laughs> hey baby, would it be all right if, uh, we did some stand up tonight? Yeah. And she was like, no problem. Uh, the best, you got to have a partner. That, she's that the most co-signs your partner. dreams. Yeah. For for that request, she's like the best person you could possibly you know, be in Rome with. Right. Which was like the difference between, I'm not like an, a lunatic hustle crab that that had premeditated this, you know, weeks ahead of time. Like, okay, we're going to be in Rome. I'm going to do seven spots over four days. Yeah. <laughs> it was, hey, this just fell on my lap. Let's go and meet Roman comedians. And in Rome, I guess uh, it's very difficult to build. Um, have new bars or new businesses in uh, uh, tra, tra, Trastavere, which is like an old neighborhood, um, for whatever reasons. I think it's just zoning. You know, they've got these old buildings and they're like, you can't have a bar here, but you can build a, a club. You can have a private club here. So the private club looks like a hangout, but you can serve alcohol in this space. So nice. you don't have the same like rules that you would, I guess, um, like sanitation rules or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like a small bar. They're playing great 90s hip hop. It's like uh, Guru Deep Cuts. It's not even Gangstar. It's just Guru with like Jazzmatazz. Yeah, the Jazzmatazz albums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay. And then uh, they have a, a table tennis outside and then a, a big heated tent stand up. And I think it's just brilliant to, it's a great way to like figure out a, the zeitgeist of a, of a community or like what the cultural hangups are to go watch stand up in another country. Yeah. yeah. Cause like I hadn't really met a lot of Italians outside of the tourist industry at the, up to this point, you know? And then when, when I get there to meet all of these like 20 something, 30 something Italians and like listening to the comedians, even though they're performing in English, like they're all the jokes, all the hangups, all the politics. I was like, okay, this is what Italians are like, like, or this is what Romans care about. Mm hmm. So it was really cool to just go and see that. And but then to perform, you know, I was nervous at first because I don't know anything about Rome. Like I just showed up. But like that, it was it reinforced the competence of just having yeah. like the chops and like the years in the cockpit. Yeah. And uh um I, I performed in South Africa and a, a comic told me he's like, Don't worry about it. He goes, You have an advantage. He said, uh, everybody knows your culture. Right. 
<laughs> they, like, like, like everybody knows what New York is. So, like, yeah. actually, you're you're actually going to translate pretty well. They're here. like, my friend, we all listen to Dipset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, tell us more Cameron jokes. What were the Roman comedians talking about? Well, so they were. Um, one guy was from Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and he was so he's performing in Rome. But he's he's a Italian citizen, but he's of uh, Ethiopian descent. So he he had some like uh, good bangers about <laughs> um, not not looking suspicious, like you know giving women enough space when you're walking behind them. And I was like, that's universal. Yeah, that's black guy. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's black guy universal. Those be living in this neighborhood, <laughs> right? And it's not even it's it is you. I mean, I I feel the same way. Which yep. is just like okay, I gotta take take the hoodie down and like be loud. <laughs> yeah. Take the hoodie down, be loud, cross the street, whistle to myself, and say I'm crossing the street. I make fo- I make fake phone calls. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's up? Yeah, you know, because it's like if you just walk it, and I walk fast. I walk intense, like T one thousand. Yeah. So you know, you know, if you're a woman, you don't want that behind so i've always yeah i i have i have just i've done all kinds of things avoiding the one woman the one the one woman walking slowly at night is uh is a landmine yeah i, I, I she's yeah. the problem yeah i'll just walk anywhere else yeah i need to get away from you as quickly as possible i don't want to freak you out uh <laughs> and me thinking about her having anxiety is giving me anxiety exactly it's yeah. a feedback loop yeah <laughs> We're look. We're we're both equally as anxious about this. And you don't want to say like uh, anything creepy. Like I would normally say an icebreaker, but like, hey, look, I'm not you know weird, <laughs> right? But, I'll, I'll, but, to, but I'm to actually deny. I just want to make it home just like you. <laughs> <laughs> that that then that becomes suspicious. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They are. Uh, I think Itali- Italians are. It was great. The the comedy was comparable to New York, um, in that you know the jokes were well constructed. And uh, what is it? There was also like a sadness <laughs> that the shutdown had ended. Yeah. You know, I think that as much as they uh, didn't like being shut down, they're, I, they're, they're in the zeitgeist, there's a sense of like, don't work too hard in Italy. Oh, so well, having, yeah, yeah. having an excuse to not work was awesome. And actually, the, the Italians who I knew who lived in New York and then they had to go back because of the shutdown and wanted to come back to New York. They were saying things like, Oh man, New York is great because like everybody works hard. Even your Uber drivers work harder than us. Like everybody here is lazy. Yeah. And I was like, dude, what and brand nonsense are you reading? Yeah. you got the like, right system over here. guys. Y- yeah. You guys have the perfect Italy has a great system. It's uh, I would love to go to office parties in Italy. Yeah. I would love to talk shit with my boss in Italy because I feel like there's an understanding that no one is working. So yeah. you don't have to put on a fake smile and like this faux professionalism around your um, uh, superiors in the hierarchy at work. Yeah. You know, whereas here we uh, live multiple identities where we're like, damn, I got to be, I got to pr- pretend I'm grinding or, or put on this grinding, um, productive face mm-hmm. around uh, around everyone. Like, be it your comedy peers. Are you writing? What are you doing? Are you hustling? How many spots you got? Like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Or bro. what? You know. Uh, whereas in Italy, I feel like everyone's just like, "Yo, man. Uh, if I ate pasta today, it was a good day." Yeah, and that's the way I'm trying to live. So I'm trying to transition into that 
kind of mindset. I'm not trying to go to other, you know, it's like, this is why places like Italy and Greece, I like Greece, but <laughs> like Greece had the Euro crisis, like nobody had paid taxes or done anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to go to a place like that, where it's just, you know, just everything's so messed up. You can't even look at me. Yes. Like I'm not, hey, this is how it goes over here. You know, and there's just Oleander. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, it was very relaxing. Um, it did seem like they're, they lived a good life. And the life expectancy is much higher than it is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met, I think it's like 83. So you just get to live and be old there. And another thing is this guy who was diabetic, who was living in London. Uh, and I was like, why'd you come back to Italy? Like he was doing well in London. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I want, but I knew the shutdown was going to happen. So I flew back to Italy to like live out the shutdown in Italy. And I was like, why you were like, y- your career was like taking off in London. And he's like, yeah, but, um, I knew here in, in Italy, the, uh, medical institutions, you can just like WhatsApp your doctor. He's like in Italy, I just like text my doctor when I need insulin. And in the, in the UK, you have to go through like a whole bureaucracy with like nurses and uh, different health. And you're like, it is universal, I guess, but it's still so much more paperwork. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's more like the US. So Italy's got the right, like, it's it's got great medicine. I Listen, I would look at these ads for these $1 houses. Sure. Like, come over, take this villa. No, you'll be the probably youngest person there by, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years or something, right? Yeah. But, like, I look at these things. And I'm like, this is good. I, I want to die the way they die in The Godfather. I just want to be sitting in, like, an orange grove and then just fall out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> and just have that to be the way I want to die. This is, so, but, 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 like, so tell me more about, like, Rome is, like, a... Uh, like a huge metropolis. Did you like ride the subway and everything? Well, it's crazy that it's considered a huge metropolis and yeah. it uh, it feels like the land that time forgot. Like they uh, are a backwards looking uh, culture. So, but that, yeah, that sounds like Athens too. Have you been to Athens? I've Greece? been to Athens, but I spent, I only spent a day there at mm-hmm. the Acropolis mm-hmm. and then I, and then I went out bar hopping with the other kids in the hostel and yeah. then I lost my ATM card in the machine. I forgot to, I forgot to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, cause that's how the ATMs work is they keep your card until you get your money and your receipt. And that's how the Euro crisis began. ah, I know. (laughs) So I don't know Athens too well, but I would like to go back and hang out there. Uh, what I do know about Rome is that we got, we got a Airbnb. No, we got a hotel, uh, next to the Coliseum, which sounds like a good thing to do, but the Coliseum is just a giant, uh, what is it like speed bump in the middle of the city? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because it's huge. You know, it's like five city blocks wide probably, but if you're on one side of it and you need to get anywhere else on the other side of it, it's, it's like a 20 minute walk. It's not, it's not efficient urban planning in the era of the automobile. That's right. That's right. And because there are um, like kind of avenues um, around three quarters of it, then like it's inhospitable to sort of walk walking around it sucks. Yeah. You know, um, there's only one little neighborhood with like gridded streets on one side of it. And that's where we were staying. So that like cute little area was fun to walk around. But if we wanted to get to any of the other hot spots in the city, 
um, it behooved us to find a taxi. Were, were you like in a hipster neighborhood, would you say? No, we were in like an ultra touristy neighborhood. Okay. Because like if you're right next to the Coliseum, you're, I mean, that's like the, an international hotspot. Landmark, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. It goes, yeah. So we went, we went, we saw everything, man. We saw all the hits. We saw the Coliseum. We went to the Vatican on day two. The Vatican is crazy. Everybody should go visit. Uh, not because like the Catholic Church is cool, but it's just great to see like a temple to the best, most efficient organized crime ring. No, the Catholic Church does grandeur on a on a way that you have to like. You don't have to be religious to enjoy the just yeah man um, like sense of scale and the projection of power and prestige and tradition it's real emperor worm like it's it's liberace on steroids it's yeah. <laughs> uh it's ostentatious it's baroque it's drip it drips yeah the vatican drips man and uh so we went we went into the vatican and uh nobody was wearing masks you know everyone is just a sign of faith People love, and I thought that was crazy because you have people from all over the world packing these tiny corridors, just breathing on each other. And uh, as though with, with the collection never- <laughs> of the world's oldest men are in charge. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I was like, man, I hope the, you know, not hope, but yeah, the Pope could easily catch something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is all old men, too. Yeah. Um, and we're walking through these hallways that are all gilded in gold, and there's gold uh, crosses and silver crosses everywhere. And I'm just thinking, you guys are so good at putting your crimes like front and center because all of this gold came from the new world and was at one point like an Aztec statue or some other piece of jewelry on an indigenous person that got taken, melted down and turned into a cross. Yeah. That would like would fit on Carmela Soprano's neck. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. Immobilier. <laughs> That's another reason I really wanted to go, dude. Godfather Three is the most underrated. God, it is the best one in in the trilogy. I'm, I'm okay. I won't go that far, <laughs> but I will say, yeah, it's 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 got a, it's got a lot of things that are good in it that it, people don't like. There's 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 some things that are distracting though. There are some distractions that I would I would love to actually see a documentary uh, about the making of Godfather Three or a dramatization of the making of Godfather three. Well, that Sofia Coppola is uh, it, like, can't act in it. So that's bad. Exactly. So we actually, within this Netflix, uh, miniseries that I want to make, we have the whole story about how Winona Ryder was supposed to play, uh, Michael's daughter. Yeah. But then for whatever reason, she, she had to bow out. And then Sofia Coppola is the second choice, the perfect Nepo baby, right? Yeah. Just like the daughter of the director. And I mean, he didn't do, he did her a disservice by putting her in the film. Yeah. And Al Pacino plays out for some reason, departs from the <laughs> character he played in the first two films. And it's just Al Pacino <laughs> in the third film. It's like, it's a different character. It doesn't even feel like the same character. Yeah. Uh, well, I, like I know, it, I know time has passed, but it's like, it doesn't feel like the same guy. Yeah. So also like some behind the, behind the scenes trivia, right? It, that uh, Coppola, he wasn't even on set directing. He directed from his trailer. So he would be remotely directing from his trailer and then like a uh, voice of God through radios telling people what to do on set. Oh, that's, yeah, that's not a good sign. Okay. So that, uh, uh, that sense of alienation from the cast and crew 
uh, just being the vibe on set the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the feedback loop there, you know, the, it, it had to be real bad juju. And then he's got his daughter playing love scenes with Andy Garcia and, and giving them directions from a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> no intimacy coach. I, yeah, I also, the, the Joey Zaza hit on all of the bosses is pretty insane. I love that part. Like, we're, we're like, where'd this guy get a helicopter, though? That was straight out of Scarface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a lot of unexplained. Well, the, the helicopter in Scarface makes some sense because, yeah, some guy in Bogota or, you know, no, it was maybe Bolivia, right? Right. Right. Yeah, some Bolivian guy probably has a helicopter. Yeah. And man. that makes that makes some sense. Who's this guy who's got a helicopter with machine guns in the middle of Manhattan? It's like wherever the, this meeting is taking place. It's like the ten ten winds weather helicopter. <laughs> yeah, like they where's just Joey borrowed Z- it overnight? Yeah, where's Joey Zaza parking his helicopter after this hit? I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. There's just and it's like even if he rents the helicopter, who do you get to pilot it? There's just like shell casings and evidence all over the place. <laughs> Uh, the shell casings are dropping <laughs> 10 stories, 20 stories down onto the street. Uh, yeah, uh, I like I like the film, but it is a yeah, it's just got some distracting stuff. Even that speech where he's like, on this day, I've been shown no respect. I think of that movie as it's like in um, Grand Theft Auto almost when you start playing. Yeah, you're like uh, at least San Andreas, which was the last version I played. You like hop on a bicycle and like control your neighborhood, learning how to ride a bike, and then you like uh, upgrade to breaking into cars, and eventually in Grand Theft Auto, you you have like an airplane mm-hmm. and like you, a samurai sword, and you have to take over like, <laughs> and you become the king of L.A. Yeah, and that is what got the three Godfather movies kind of feel like Grand Theft Auto, where Michael keeps leveling up. Like, yeah, in part one, he's like in charge of the five families in New York. Part two, he tries to integrate into the United States government, and there's like a revolution in Cuba. And then in part three, it was like, well, who are the real criminals, right? It is the the church and like Immobilati, the church's company, yeah, which is like a transnational money funneling, you know, bank. <laughs> and that's why I like part three so much. Is like it feels so much more like about the entire system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and Michael is finally. Uh, a small fry. He does become Tony Montana in part three in that he's like just a, a cog rather than like the big man. I like that analysis. Yeah. That they're like actually, yeah. Uh, and he, maybe he, there's only his, he can only go so far. It's like, this isn't some Mickey mouse casino in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. This is this. We've been in charge of things for 2000 years. You know, yeah, yeah. the church has been, they have the, longest track record of being a criminal organization yeah yeah you know the crips and the bloods have nothing on the catholic church (laughs) like oh you guys were founded in the 60s get out of here well i have a couple of applications out to catholic school so i'll withhold those comments so i'll say that uh Uh, these are not the views of the (laughs) these are not the views of justin williams who very much appreciates the dominican order of friars (laughs) sure uh well i like the benedictine monks Oh yeah, yeah. So uh who was St. Anselm's? Yeah. St. Anselm and the Benedictines were cool because uh during they were just like the introvert nerds who would hang out in their abbeys and and write and copy all of the old texts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when the uh plague hit Europe, uh they were like, "Okay, cool, close the doors." And they just closed all the gates to the abbeys and mm-hmm. they were like, "The books are more important than the people." 
<laughs> and they were like the hard drives, the external hard drives for civilization in Europe, at least because the uh, bubonic plague wiped everybody out. And mm. then they were like, oh, but we have all the books. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I went to a Jesuit Catholic school for a year and the Jesuits were cool because they were like, hey, kids, do you want to go down to the School of the Americas and throw blood on their front entrance? Because wow. <laughs> <laughs> because the United States government trains paramilitaries that kill civilians and... That's crazy because I always think, you know, the term Jesuitical uh, as an adjective uh, means to come to your conclusion through twisted logic. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because they were the, uh, whenever you watch like movies where there's a cardinal dressed in red and he's evil Mm -hmm. and he's like running shit in France, that was usually a Jesuit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. In some places they represent like uh, attempting to be like, they're they're like the the first wave of colonialism in some places or some places it goes wrong for them. I think in Japan, they just all get their heads chopped off as soon as they (laughs) attempt to like. Yeah. Uh, But they were like the lawyers because all the law schools are Jesuit run. Um, Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, Like Georgetown and places like that. Marquette, I think is Jesuit. Yeah. Yeah. so yeah, but that that cool thing about them is though that their defense of Catholicism would like made them to like directly challenge American foreign policy that was causing all these deaths and like 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 the like the like the murder of like Oscar Romero yeah has like real consequence. The Jesuits are like like we will shut down the the school of the Americas, you know. So that was kind of cool because it was like seeing I yeah seeing like the like those differences within the I didn't know because I didn't know anything about the Catholic Church. I you know I grew up in like black evangelical protestant churches sure so like, more more singing but well better singing uh we no, don't well, Catholic, don't we catholics don't really sing <laughs> it's very sad well yeah it, it, it's very ritual like you understand like why there was a protestant reformation at a hundred percent some people just got tired of sitting and standing yeah <laughs> also uh thinking about it today because uh, i was i i don't uh, go to church at all, but I was rewatching like The Wire season three, I think, or four, and uh, Carcetti. And it's an episode where all three of the main politicians are looking for votes in the city. Mm-hmm. And one of them goes to a Catholic church and it's just like, ma, like there's, it's it, droning and it's just kneeling and standing and kneeling and standing. And that's what I'm used to. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always so boring. I found all church boring, but then watching, um, Carcetti go to like uh, another black church on the other side of town and everyone's like clapping and singing and the priest or not priest, but the reverend is giving a um, sermon that is applicable to the politics of the moment. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is uh, to, to your point. I was like, Oh, this is why the reformation happened. Like, yeah. cause you can talk about what's happening right now <laughs> and give like a stand up or uh, self-help lecture. Oh Yeah. You know, it, uh, guised as religion. Yeah, I I had a uh, 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 I, I used to go to the United Methodist Church for a little bit in Kansas City, where uh, Emmanuel Cleaver, who is is now our long term congressman, is a liberal congressman, was mayor of Kansas City, and I watched him give this great sermon. Uh, he took a Tinky Winky doll and put it on his shoulder and gave a sermon with it about how the religious right sometimes takes values out of the Bible and needlessly puts them on popular culture. He's like, this is just the thing that kids like, it's like, there's no need to channel homophobia into children's <laughs> things. So he just gave, he gave his entire sermon with Tinky Winky sitting on his, his shoulder. And I was like, I, yeah, I don't think that happens in like the Catholic church. Nah, dude, the Catholic church is more like uh, if you're a teacher comparing a teacher to a priest, uh, the curriculum is set in stone and there are 
there's like every single um, uh, Sunday of the year is already mapped out. Yeah. So it's going to be the same sermon the next uh, Tuesday or the next Sunday in March. But that's the efficient system. If you're going to create a universal church that's going to be global, mm-hmm. you know, with standardized rules and hierarchy. You know what you're going to get? It's the McDonald's, the McDonald's of Christianity. Wherever you go, it's the same flavor, baby. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, I I have that appreciation for it. And, and that that's how you create big buildings because <laughs> all that money's come from everywhere. <laughs> and all yeah. of those schools, all the schools and stuff. I mean, even the Catholic Church, even with its numbers sort of declining, is still like this, like, it's still like what an amazing collection of just like, I'd say as a real estate portfolio, is there anything more impressive than the Catholic Church? Real estate, a uh, collection of art, um, collection of hidden knowledge, not to be like, uh, it's not conspiracy theory stuff, but just like the code- codices from uh, the New World. Um, and all of these uh, indigenous peoples um, sort of like writings and mm-hmm. reports on them are all stockpiled in the Vatican yep. in their library. So there's like, you know how we're like trying to figure out uh, who killed JFK? Yeah. <laughs> like the Catholic Church has, uh, you know, the files on like what Charlemagne was up to. And that hasn't been released yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, what really happened to Montezuma? You know, those those things are hidden in the Catholic uh, Vatican Library. I think we just wrote our next buddy film. <laughs> is uh, what is it? <laughs> uh, National Treasure. Only it's Immobilati. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tomb Raiders. <laughs> I think uh, yeah. I want to go to the Vatican. I want to go to Rome. I I gotta ask for spots. That's what that's that's what I figured out from this whole conversation. I should now write to local comics to ask for spots. Yeah. Uh, go to Rome. Ask for spots. Ask for spots everywhere you travel, um, and uh, give me some recommendations for new Detroit music to listen to. Yeah, I like this DJ named Moody Man. Okay, he's a house like a house DJ, and I heard, I want to go to this thing. He I heard he has a house music party. It's like on like Memorial Day weekend or something at like a roller skating rink. That's what I'm saying. Like Detroit you got is more- space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a roller skating rink means space. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, all right, dude, you have gotten me, um, inspired to go and visit Detroit, uh, in 2023. Uh, Justin, where can people find you? You can find me at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy on Instagram. If you go to my website, justinwilliamscounty.com, you can send me an email and I'll come to your house. It's true. He will come to your house. Uh, also, We'll have you back on because <laughs> I want to hear about your adventure in Nigeria, the adventure that we both went on together. But listeners, uh, if you want to hear more about that, you got to tune in to future episodes of Halal Cartels when I have Justin back on the show. Uh, once again, I'm Gabe Pacheco. You can follow me on Instagram at GabePack1. And uh, we would love it if you rate and review uh, the podcast wherever rating and reviewing is allowed all right and uh samir will be back next week thank you for listening peace